Hello, and welcome back to the Brothers Book Club podcast. We're here with episode 54 of our Penguin Little Black Classics review show. This is where we are tackling, which I think is the rightly aggressive verb, I guess. Um, <laughs> Got to come up with another verb there. I think, feel like I say tackling a lot. But anyway, we're on the endeavor of reviewing all 80 of Penguin's Little Black Classics. That's a set of world literature that they compiled. And today we're here with, as I mentioned, episode 54 on Sindbad the Sailor, which is a very brief excerpt from a much longer work called The 1001 Nights. Uh, I think sometimes it's also referred to as 1001 Arabian Nights. Amanda, have you heard it pronounced that way before? Yes. And actually my version is just called, because I have the entire collection, um, it's just called Arabian Nights for mine. Ah, they- yeah, I feel like I've heard the the term Arabian Nights thrown around as well. It's essentially from my brief Wikipediaing, and if you're an old friend of the podcast, you'll know that our research department <laughs> is essentially that the good old Wikipedia cursory Wikipedia search. But yeah, it sounds like it's just a collection of folk tales um, stemming from like the Arab Peninsula and thereabouts. I guess um, I'm not sure how vast or how wide the stories go. I've never read if many of them, any of them before, and so this is kind of my first exposure, at least the first exposure I'm really clear about. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if like, I- I'm totally off the cuffing this, but it, would you imagine some Disney stuff comes from it? Like Aladdin, for example? Aladdin is from this. It's called okay. Aladdin and the, the genie lamp, or is it just the lamp? But yeah. Fantastic. It's, it's, it's this feels like, yeah, this just feels like exactly the kind of fairy tale-ish story that Disney would take and then purify a little bit and, de- and sanitize up and then would present. That's funny, too, because I, I promise, and uh, long listeners will know I probably did not research that. I truly did not know. I was just curious. It seems <laughs> like exactly the type of fairy tale or kind of myth-type story that they would they would pretty up a little bit and make a little more kid-friendly. I'm not sure what happens in the original. Have you read then that story? I have not, actually. This is the first time that I've like cracked open my Arabian Nights. I've, I got the nice yeah, yeah. like gilded-edged hardback cover mm-hmm. Arabian Nights, and I was like, ooh, I should read these one day, just like my Grimm Brothers fairy tales, yeah. and I just haven't. <laughs> I've I've found over the course of this the Penguin review series here that I just can't stand reading fairy tales and I don't want to spoil the review today but I think these held up a little better for some reason maybe we can unpack why that would be mm-hmm. but yeah thus far my exposure to fairy tale type stories coming out of I think we've done Dutch ones and German ones and some other places but yeah overall the it has not been a a type of literature I've enjoyed rereading um so I'm not going to blame you at all for that feel free to avoid the fairy tales as long as you'd like. Uh, though I'm sure there's some, the thing about fairy tales to me that's, that has kind of kept me intrigued is just the oddities therein. They mm-hmm. definitely, it, it feels very creative and kind of loose in a way at times, um, which can work in its favor or against it. So yeah, we're here with a very small slice called Sinbad the Sailor. I'll try not to make any illusions or jokes about Sinbad the comedian from the 90s who, oh, do you man. remember that guy? Of course I do. <laughs> yeah, from Jingle All the Way and yes. nothing else, I, I don't think. Was he in anything he else noteworthy? He was in TV show. Um, oh, but I don't remember what the TV show was called. Yeah. It, it may have been named after him for all I would know. I definitely don't remember any TV show. The, that movie is, and then his name, and he kind of, his whole vibe was like big outsized comedic persona. I get kind of like a Kevin Hart type figure. Yeah. I, it would be like a modern comparison kind of like every time he shows up, he's going to be gesticulating a lot and like yelling and like he always seems indignant and that, that kind of, I don't know if that fits the description for him exactly, but that's kind of his energy. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, this Sinbad quite different. Also spelled differently, I'm pretty sure. Um, let's jump in as we always do with our reviews with a one sentence simile. Amanda, I'll have you start as ever. Um, what is your one sentence simile review of the Sinbad the Sailor? Sure. Uh, reading this is like watching a Michael Bay film. Uh, hmm. So <laughs> there's yep. a whole lot of action and like it, it does move very quickly from one point to another. And maybe there's a couple of like cool effects and a couple of cool ideas there. But in right. the long run, it's not going to be an art piece. It's not going to be something that you appreciate for its unique style or anything like that. It's just purely for the fast paced entertainment. Yeah, and it it, diff- it kind of differs and deviates from, I guess, what we would call... See, I don't know if we would call these fairy tales Western. Probably not, though, right? Coming from, like, Ar- yeah, Arab um, Peninsula, it would be yeah. considered what? Eastern, I mean, Middle we, Eastern. Eastern yeah. I was going to say, do we say Middle Eastern still? I'm not sure if that, like, region still has a, like, a d- cultural differentiation. I think it does, anyway. Um, just wasn't sure what we'd say. But compared to, like, the yeah. Western ones we've read, again, from, I think, Germany and... Um, I think there was a Dutch one in here too. Those feel mm-hmm. more moralistic and theme heavy. Like by the yeah. end of it, you should have learned a lesson. This sure. didn't feel that way at all to me. I don't know if you were going to like read this to a child, you know, before a bedtime, I have no clue what they would take away from it other than life is random and can be quite dangerous <laughs> and horrible. Yeah, I think that um, the others did have very clear morals, but I think that in these stories, yeah. the only moral is to trust in Allah that if right, you are right. pious and a, a true believer that things will work out for you in the end. Yeah, for sure. No. So I think in the, yeah, getting back to it, I think the Michael Bay comparison is quite apt then. Cause it's not <laughs> like you'll come out of his films with some deep insight into humanity or right. even just at this point, you know, I'm, I sometimes wonder if I'm on board with the people who say things like there's no new stories anymore. We just retell the old stuff. I feel like thematically that's kind of true, but the the thing a great story can do is give you just like a new level of appreciation for an old idea or whatever, for an mm-hmm. old theme or something. And yeah, Michael Bay films don't do that for me in any way. Yeah. My, uh, my similar review is kind of similar to yours though, with a different idea around it, but it's, it's as if you, have a friend who you meet up with a day after they went out and like had a night of debauchery and ran rampant over the town or, you know, caused some trouble, whatever. And then they tell you the story the next day, maybe when everyone's sobered up, for example, like, I feel like those stories are always underwhelming and disappointing. Like, even if they show you a picture of like, we did this outrageous thing or, you know, we pulled this prank or whatever, you, you never quite have the emotional investment of the revelry and fun that they're claiming. And it just never is the same. And this kind of feels like experiencing that, like the, you want, I wanted to be more excited for preposterous and really like outlandishly dangerous events that happen, Mm -hmm. but I just never fell under the influence of it. It's almost one of those you kind of had to be there. You kind of had to be under the same state of being to fully get on board. And that's, I mean, Michael Bay movies, man, it's not a dissimilar feeling. Like if you don't go into it willing to turn off those parts of your brain, like you'll just be miserable listening to that story the whole time, experiencing (laughs) it. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great one. So I think, yeah, ours are weirdly aligned in that that way, though about quite different topics. Did you find any connections then? We do like to, in our reviews, make some quick connections to either current events or anything from the year 2020 we are recording this in. Did did anything stand out um, that felt relevant? Yeah, I I really picked up as as I kind of pointed out with like my my simile is um, on the the religious aspect. Even if you are not religious or anything like that, it's um, Mm -hmm. like an insight into the whole like 
uh, the Christian equivalent of like Jesus take the wheel aspect. So right. it's, um, yeah. so it's a, I thought that it was interesting how it's like all these terrible things keep happening to him. And he's just like, Oh, well, it's just all as well. And it's fine. And he'll lead me out of this. It's like, well, why did he put you in it in the first place? But like, <laughs> it's a, yeah, well, to test you, of course, to test your faith. Yes. That's always the, these answers are baked right in, which is, uh, can make them problematic. I think for some other people, um, no, a hundred percent. There's no climactic moment at this story that isn't met with, yeah, some kind of appeal to Allah or some kind of appeal to God to just yeah. uh, get him out of it or help endure it, something like that. Yeah, the connection I came up with was is absurdly non-pious uh, and completely the opposite <laughs> of yours, but I had to say it. I was trying to think of one of these because usually these are more like current events or thematic, and I was like, I'm trying to think of something sillier, I don't know, just different, change mm-hmm. it up. And my connection is to the song Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba. Do you remember that one? The I Get Knocked Down song? Yeah. What a legendary tune. I don't think I'll ever be able to mention it again on the pod. And if I am able to, then I I don't foresee that now. So who knows what will happen. But that this book is basically that song just playing over and over again. I mean, the, the lyrics are just quite literally the plot of this story. I think it, it's, it's an opportunity to mention that absurd song and I couldn't let it pass by. That's, that is my connection. If you like the anthem, uh, again, Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba, fun to say, fun to listen to. <laughs> this, this is the book version of that anthem of, I don't know, would you say it's an anthem to grit or resiliency or I guess just being drunk? I think it's an anthem to just like going with the flow. Okay. Yeah. Well, and this is that too, definitely. And yeah. Yeah, if you want to not say it in such uh, with such strong values or whatever, it's yeah. You could just say it's about a person who doesn't quit. You know, we can yeah. describe whatever values that we want, but yeah, it's just a person who keeps going. Sinbad cannot be held back or cannot be stopped. <laughs> yeah. oh, gets, what a gets great song! Down, <laughs> gets knocked down and gets up again. Right. Yeah. I'm so glad that you made that connection. I love it. It, it's the, one of the more frivolous ones, but that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here to do. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to bring my musical expertise on the pod. I always say my my knowledge of music is truly like, it's like an inch wide, a mile deep. Like, you know, the things I love, I really love, but I have no little, I have so little knowledge about wider musical things, mm-hmm. but uh, I was able to draw that one out of the memory. I feel like that has made its way around culturally. It, you know, it's like one of those arena type songs. It's in commercials. I feel like it's in every, you know, movie from the nineties or whenever. So yeah. that I feel, I think it's has such a per- pervasive presence in culture. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> Did, have you ever been to a place that played it uh, at a social gathering? I guess let me rephrase that question to this. Do you know anyone who sincerely really loves it? I don't think so. No, right? It's just a background noise song that we've all accepted. It's just yeah. like it's going to be omnipresent for some reason because it's like silly and the lyrics are really obvious or something. And and it's like a cheer, right? You're cheering yourself and everybody mm-hmm. else on. So everybody kind of knows it and they can sing along to it. It's not right, like right. overly deep. But yeah, it's a very positive feeling, optimistic song that everybody knows. Yeah, easy to jump up and down to. Yeah. Throw, you throw a hand in the air or whatever. Yeah, and so... And incredibly easy to, again, to read. And you, it, it's a song that cannot be misunderstood, yeah. I don't think. If there's yeah. if there's crazy subtext to it, then fooled me. That's for <laughs> sure. That's, yeah. So that's my connection. Um, we'll, I'll try and d- dig up other random pop culture references in the connections bit uh, as yep. often as I am able to. That's great. That's going to be your new 
your new that's job good. for this. I can keep <laughs> I can keep that shit going for a while. I just need I just need to normally I try and do the connections pretty quickly. Honestly, for those first two parts, I normally don't try and dwell on them for too long because I like that to be I don't know a little more informal or whatever. Um, but if I if I give myself a good ten minutes of researching and thinking, I bet I can. We'll, we'll do some more pop culture things. Until then, folks, uh, pause the podcast now. Go listen to Chumbawamba tub thumping and then come back <laughs> and rejoin us because uh, we're going to transition into the quotes for clarification. This is just the deep dive section of the pod where we get a little more analytical and poke at the style and the substance of the story. Do you want to start us off with a quote today, Amanda? It looks like you and I both picked a few to talk through. Yeah. Um, so I'll just go ahead and get the one about the the religion out of the way. There's yeah, like... Yeah. It is at least, well, so I have um, the full version, so I didn't mm-hmm. um, read the Penguin one. I'm assuming that the Penguin one is translated by Sir Richard Burton. That's I the one that's like, you. yeah, he's the one, that's the, the translation that's most widely used. It is not. It is translated oh. by Malcolm C. Lyons. Oh, interesting. So the one that I have is, is, translated by sir richard burton who um translated it like during the victorian era and Uh, apparently a lot of his like i I don't have the footnoted version but apparently a lot of his footnotes and stuff like uh were kind of like commentaries on on the culture that were not sure um the most PC. interesting (laughs) maybe they and so maybe mine is much more modern than i didn't notice any of that stuff the the anything about religion comes off as quite sincere and like any other praise to any pick pick a god or religious or faith system or whatever it just felt like that it felt like a person ascribing their fate to a higher power very neutral yeah so the the version that i have it took out all of burton's footnotes and stuff so it's the the translated text but upon my research it was saying like he commented a lot on the culture and he also like really sexualized a lot of things in in the collection so i thought that was pretty interesting anyway so uh the what i chose was um one of the things that's like a a repeating thing throughout uh these three voyages of sinbad's is that um and actually throughout the entire sinbad story it's actually seven he has seven voyages and in all of them he's Mm -hmm. um talking uh about his religion and he always gives thanks and uh to allah for his for being saved in the end and all this stuff so uh the quote um that i have here is would heaven i had tarried in the island it was better than this wild desert for there i had at least fruits to eat and water to drink and here are neither trees nor fruits nor streams but there is no majesty and there is no might save in allah the glorious the great verily as often as i am quit of one peril i fall into a worse danger and a more grievous and that's from the valley of diamonds one which is the um, okay sinbad's second voyage um mm-hmm. and so i i chose that quote because it tied with my connection where i was talking about like the jesus take the wheel thing right he's like right, oh well yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fine he wants me to be here in the long run and it's I like a just, joyful helplessness yeah yeah and and also the the part where he says there is no majesty and there's no might save in allah the glorious the great that particular sentence you see several times throughout the text okay um, yeah so it's it's in this one and in the next one. So each time that he points out that like, he should like just leave fate in um, all his hands. He, he 
starts off with that particular, there's no majesty, there is no might save an Allah. So I thought that was interesting mm-hmm. as far as like uh, repetition. And I was like really clinging on to anything that I found that could be tr- like considered a particular style just because I felt starved for it while I was reading these stories. Well, and you're going to, I could, that's a perfect segue into a quote I have then, because I agree completely. It's, and you, when you get these fairy tales, this one from what, again, Wikipedia told me had the most, like the first translation dates back to like 700 or something. So when you're dealing with these stories that are over a thousand years old, the style can be, it's so much is in the translation, I bet. And so much Mm -hmm. is in, just the the storytelling of that time period coming off of oral traditions and not being again the, the way language has changed and the languages have come to exist in that time period um it just is like stylistically can feel so foreign and like yeah you're like you're desperate to grasp onto anything you f- you find de- deep or interesting or to have depth or something mm-hmm. and i pulled two quotes from my page 20 this is the story it's even hard to say because i was just gonna say it's the story where they're out at sea but i feel like they're always <laughs> out at sea so yeah. never mind <laughs> that doesn't help clarify anything at all um but there's on the same page there's a couple quotes and a couple descriptions that i think show off the different kind of the, the pros and cons and it says uh quote when we were in the middle of a boisterous sea with buffeting waves, the captain, who was keeping a lookout from the gunwale, gave a great cry, slapped his face, plucked at his beard, and tore his clothes. And then this is a quote from the captain. The wind got the better of us, forcing us out to sea. An ill fortune has driven us to the mountain of the hairy ones, an ape-like folk. No one who has come there has ever escaped, and I feel in my heart that we shall all die. I The, the little, like, silly an absurd behavior little list part the, for some reason the slapped his face and like tore his clothes just made me kind of chuckle. I don't know. I know it's like a grave moment, mm-hmm. but I just thought the description there was kind of like absurdist and it almost felt like slapstick in a yeah. way that I don't know if that was intentional, but I just remember reading it and thinking like it was just vivid and it's simple, but it, I think it's effective. Mm-hmm. And then his quote is just so, the dialogue is quite stiff. Like he, yeah. he speaks in a way with no with no urgency of dialogue like how we would understand it i think the kind of to the movement to make dialogue more naturalistic in the last uh, even like 100 to 200 years in in terms of english writing and literature what makes it seem so odd to read something like that like mm-hmm. a person in total peril who if if we're to take it literally like just ripped at his clothes and is like desperate to give a warning he comes down and is just like I feel in my heart we shall all die. Like yeah. it's um, it's quite the, formal and quite stiff. Yeah, the urgency is missing there. Even though the words say yeah. like we're all gonna die, the, yeah. the tone of it yeah. is just like, oh well, it seems like maybe we're all just gonna. And so, yeah, and so <laughs> yeah. like the tone, my interest kind of dried up at spots quite quickly. You've yeah. got these like mind-boggling images and absurdities, which are kind of fun, and I, I think the text has some fun in it and some. I don't think whimsy is the wrong word, but definitely some more lighthearted ish bits that again, just struck me as like enjoyable and maybe goofy, silly, but it just dries up really quickly. I thought that those two quotes again on the same page really illustrated that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that was a quote that I was uh, thinking about choosing as well. And then I saw that you had chosen it, but for the same reasons where it's like, Oh, it could be really entertaining and it could be 
uh, a, a chance for the uh, translator or the writer to really get mm-hmm. um, some tone in there and some mood in there, but then yeah, it falls short. And that's a part too where I I respect a I mean translation is its own type of rhetoric and art form and everything, mm-hmm. but I, I respect adhering to it. Like if they had rewritten that dialogue to be you know, put in modern slang or change it or, you know, they put in some kind of like stream of consciousness bit with the character. I, you know, I don't, I'm not one to say you need to be doing that. Like that to me would strike me as like a deep rewrite. Like that's, that's getting into like make your own text and play off of it if you want to then like Mm -hmm. do your reimagining, but and call it something else. Like I don't think that's fully what translation should be. Um, anyway, Stay, stay strict and adhere to the original, I guess, for, for translation is my yeah. view. So I don't, but it doesn't mean I have to enjoy reading it either. Like right. it's, yeah, it's that middle ground. Yeah. Um, I'm going to throw in then, cause that also lends a crit or that kind of bleeds into a criticism about the characterization, which I found at every point. Yeah. Just like simple and pared down again, like you find in myths and legends and stuff and, mm-hmm. and fairy tales, whatever. Um, I had a quote from page 12, uh, where the character walks into a cave with a massive snake in it. And he says, at that point, I looked inside my cave only to see a huge snake asleep over its eggs at the far end. All the hairs rose on my body and raising my head, I entrusted myself to fate. I spent a wakeful night. And then he just like sleeps there. There's no, (laughs) there's no internal thoughts. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. There's no internal (laughs) monologue or thoughts about panicking to a backup plan. There's no, nothing about his fear. Mm -hmm. It, It just feels like a balloon has popped and it's like you have this tension established but then there's no character follow up on it. And I even I guess you could even argue then like there's no plot follow up on it either, which is, yeah, I think these stories are exciting enough. I'm not begging for more plot, but I think it just comes down to a simple criticism of I think you'll come away from these wanting more elaboration frequently, yeah. which that's been I, I don't know if I can say that about all the fairy tale type stuff we've done on this, th- these reviews, but that's often been a thought of mine coming out of them. Yeah. That's yeah, it's great. And it also ties into the idea of like um, the, the Jesus take the wheel thing, because it's like, he's like, Oh, well, there's something scary here that could possibly kill me, but I'll leave it up to fate. Okay. I'll just watch over me. And then that's, that's the extent of, of his anxiety. That's it. And yeah. So it's, it's not as exciting in that aspect. Like the things that happen to him are pretty exciting, but the descriptions uh, leave us kind of almost bored or, uh, maybe not it, bored, but just unfulfilled. Yeah, and it leaves you craving, I don't know, some kind of like capitalizing on the tension or something. You mm-hmm. you concocted, you being this imaginary author. I don't even think they've ever attributed these to an author, by the way. It's just like these yeah. are just handed down and they, yeah, they come from some, again, older tradition. But anyway, but the, the person telling the story um, builds tension there and concocts a scenario and it's like, okay, let's, what's going to happen? And then often it's just, it feels very limp at the end. Did you have another quote that feels that way or or some other aspect? Sure. Uh, So to, to build on that, the idea of, of the, the limpness of his descriptions, Mm -hmm. this one is also from the Valley of Diamonds, which is his second voyage. It says, um, at last destiny brought us to an Island fair and verdant in trees, abundant with yellow ripe fruits, luxuriant and flowers, fragrant and birds warbling soft desk, descant, descant, and streams crystalline and radiant and that is the extent of the description (laughs) that's it (laughs) yeah right right very front loaded exactly so and it's just he has this opportunity to really um create this like 
utopian island and, and give us some really good description, especially in contrast to what happens to them afterwards. But it's right, just like right. it's very surface level descriptions. Yeah, completely. And I even as you were reading that, it had a it had a poetic feel. Some of the mm-hmm. rhyming takes care of that, and then some of the some of the pairing there and the way that he repeats those pairs. Mm-hmm. I guess he be I, the narrator's not the author. The person who made this. <laughs> it's yeah. weird not having like a. I can't. There's no pronoun here I can use. It's just like a, per, a person at some point, um, or people. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, the person narrating it or writing it, I think, does well there. To, in that it has a very again it's that sing songy thing I don't love mm-hmm. all the time but it's effective but it just it comes and goes and then it goes so quickly I guess mm-hmm. is the issue I would agree with that yeah that's a, that's an apt one I think I have one more quote I pulled here which I well, let's get into some other things oh yeah this was another characterization bit and I didn't I think if you come at this I know we've done like pretty deep feminist works before I think if you come at the the stories here for through through that lens you're not going to get much to chew on though there was one bit I pulled for it's about that it's about characterization more broadly but um, this is when he's caught on the the island of the people with the marital tradition the, the did you read that one yeah mm-hmm. yeah the, he gets su- quite a surprise in terms of their their cultural marital practices yeah. <laughs> um, which I'll try not to spoil but yeah. um, it says that the king or he sent it once for the is that Kadi Kwadi I didn't even Google what that term is I yeah, assumed I it was know. like a it's like Quaddy. a royal um, position some kind of like administrator anyway he sends for them and the notaries and he married me on the spot to a noble lady of high birth and great wealth who combined beauty and grace with her distinguished ancestry and who was the owner of houses properties and estates and in the book i wrote down just lady shit it's just like here's the things you want out of a good lady like good marriage you know pat yourself on the back way to go and it's kind of even with Sinbad himself, it's kind of the level of character detail you can expect. I don't even know if they ever talk. Like, I don't think there's dialogue between him and his wife. That's it We never it see moving. her speak, that's for sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and so it keeps moving at a kind of this brusque, almost too aggressive pace. And yeah, you're just not going to be able to luxuriate in, in character study in these. It's sort of just like... You know, here, here's the things that were expected of a good match and a good marriage. He's got them, you know, check them off. And it's that list style writing where mm-hmm. it's just kind of an info dump. Um, and again, it's I can't look at that sentence and say it's poorly made or something stylistically. I, I, it doesn't it didn't like prevent me from reading it well or I didn't have any harsh reactions on that front. Um, but again, I don't have to look at it and be entranced by it either i don't think it's particularly interesting description mm-hmm. and so yeah there, there's a sort of simplicity to it or lack of depth yeah and um building on on that too and also the idea of like the the fairy tale aspect um i don't know if you noticed it but the each of the voyages and i looked at all seven of sinbad's mm-hmm. um voyages they all start off with the same uh concept of his getting like stranded on some island in whatever way. So yeah, right. I pulled a quote from uh, the cannibal King one. And uh, we set out trusting in the blessing of almighty Allah. And with a favoring breeze and the best conditions, we sailed from Island to Island and sea to sea till one day there arose against us a contrary wind. And the captain cast out his anchors and brought the ship to a standstill. Mm -hmm. And then that's the end of the quote. But then, Always he lands on some kind of island. Somehow he lands on an island and he is stranded there. And he has, that's where he encounters 
the strange monsters and these strange societies and stuff like that. And in the end, it's always, of course, he gets rescued in some way, often by uh, the same captain who had, you know, somehow gotten him stranded in the first place. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> they don't yeah. recognize each other at first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there are a couple meetups after the years pass in this one. And time goes past quickly in these yeah. stories. It's, yeah. Some of, some of his, the marriage one's a good example. I don't, I'm sure if I dug back into the text, I could find the time frame. But I think he's there, like, and they're married for years, and then all of a sudden, it kind of the narrative just skips ahead to when the marriage has to end. Which again, right. I don't, I don't want to fully spoil. Sometimes yeah. with the, with the fiction, I like to hold in the reviews anyway. I like to hold back on the spoilers. Yeah, but no, that's it's another excellent one to show. If you're not on board with fairy tale style storytelling, which to me, repetition is just a hallmark of that. For and sure. it feels very much like it's that read aloud quality of like, you know, it's it's a good way to it's like in a song, right? There's a reason why we come back to a chorus. It's mm-hmm. you you want to be you want to remind the listener of something you want to kind of have a, a repetitive aspect that they can ground themselves in or fe- it's kind of like a foundational thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, these stories definitely have that. I think going into it stylistically, that's maybe the most important thing to know if you're going to try out some of the Sinbad, the sailor stuff, yeah. any final thoughts on the quotes, anything we missed stylistically? Uh, I don't think so. I think we're good. I'll, m- I'll mention this in the reviews though. Cause I, I was curious to see how our discussion with the quotes would go. Mm-hmm. I think I enjoyed the absurdity more than I disliked it, which I don't think came across just now, but we'll talk about that in the final review score though. Like yeah. I think yeah, I didn't put, there were a couple quotes of the action happening and some of the description that I really liked, but I thought that would be a little disingenuous because so much of it was, I think what we nailed it's, you know, repetitive and lacks a bit of character depth. Um, yeah. Let's jump to the literary corner then. This is the educational segment of the pod when we attempt in our desperate teacher way to teach you some kind of literary concept or at least review one. And we were <laughs> talking about this before we started. We might be repeating ideas at this point. I don't have an official list of these down and we kind of just try and pick a new one every time, but maybe I'll go back and try and formally create some document to make sure we're not repeating too many. But we could have done frame narrative, but we we thought we did that, or we're pretty certain we did. So instead, I pulled magic realism, or for some reason, I thought it was called magical realism, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter that much. Yeah. Anyway, this uh, definition is quoted from the Penguin Literary Dictionary, as most of the time we borrow from there. This term was coined to describe the characteristics and tendencies discernible in the work of sermon ger- German painters of the period. And by the period, I think they mean the 1700s, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Especially the, and I don't speak German, the new Sashlikite. Uh, you know, whatever. Close close enough, sorry. That was a live, that's a live read. Sashlikite. <laughs> Sashlikite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah artist of Munich. Uh, if you are one of those artists, just email us and apologize <laughs> on the mispronunciation. I, that's, yeah, I really butchered it and that's my bad. Um, some of the characteristic features of this kind of fiction. Oh, so then I, I've cut out obviously huge chunks this definition that painter uh, criticism and an idea was then applied to literature like you know 100 years later or whatever mm-hmm. um, some features of this kind of fiction are mingling and juxtaposition of the realistic and the fantastic or bizarre skillful time shifts convoluted and even labyrinthian narratives and plots miscellaneous use of dreams myths and fairy stories expressionistic and even surrealistic description arcane erudition and the element of surprise or abrupt shock the horrific and the inexplicable which in itself is a bit of a that's a magical realistic definition then by that (laughs) (laughs) a lot of twists and turns in that long definition but as i was reading it over and thinking through the elements that fit that 
I think it it weirdly fits, even though the, you know the story predates that definition and movement by like a thousand years at least, maybe mm-hmm. maybe much much more. Um, I think it's the plot in this though is like blazingly clear, though it has time jumps though, and it has it, it kind of had has odd and inexplicable endings or like. Uh, it has horrific things that befall him and his, you know, sailors and friends and whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, so it, and it, of course, deals with fantastical things. There's inexplicable beasts and creatures. Um, there are things that are, that, are, that could be, the marriage plot is basically 100% just a, a bit of cultural confusion and mm-hmm. really bad cultural exchange that goes <laughs> uh, quite awry for him, for Sinbad. So that's like completely realistic, but that's also, you know, there's a story where the snakes are, he says like, they're as big as tree trunks now. Right. You know, anacondas are pretty big, but that seems to be exaggerated, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not aware of any snake, thank God for my own phobia, but like I'm not aware of any snake that's actually the size of a tr- like a full tree. Right. You know? Or so, the giant bird with the, uh, the egg that's right. the size of like a dome. <laughs> and they, they fight a uh, that seem to be like a sentient group of ape men, but that are exaggerated, yeah. um, which I didn't, uh, that I read straightforwardly that there could be some, honestly, that there could be some race stuff in there. I didn't research that or how people interpret it. I, that could be something like that. It, it seemed more animalistic, but I don't know. Now that I think on, I hadn't, I hadn't given that that kind of critical thought though. The apes were able to make off with the ship too, right? They stranded yeah, the people yeah. and then they stole the ship. So there's some level of intelligence there. And he kind of negotiated with them, I, as I remember it. That's yeah. also where they meet kind of the King Kong. There's like a King Kong that shows up, basically, more or less. Not, yeah, yeah, not yeah, quite yeah. the same. I don't think it's quite as ape-like or something and mm-hmm. has like horns or something. But any, so anyway, there's a lot of things that are fantastic or bizarre, you know, and, and I wouldn't call the narrative here labyrinthian, but it is a frame narrative, which adds some complications. So do you think that definition holds up? I 100% do, especially um, I was reading other, his other voyages as well. And you mm-hmm. can definitely see that that's something that um, kind of ties together all of his voyages. Yeah, and it, it's noteworthy that all of these plots, like you've noted, start with sea voyages, which at the time and even now is like, yeah, that's just like a career kind of a, yeah, I don't, mm-hmm. you know, like there's nothing fantastical about like I'm work on a boat or I'm like, you know, part of a crew in, a, in an explorer or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think it's you kind of have these setups that seem not mundane, but seem pretty normal as much as that word works. Yeah. And then they, they get into the fantastical and the weird. And so, yeah, yeah, that strikes me as magical realist. Yeah. There's, um, I know the alchemist is a really popular magical realist story. It differentiates a little from fantasy and sci-fi, both of which I know I've mentioned this enough, but I love those genres. And I think magical realism to me is a little different just because, the 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 thing that is the weird in those is kind of like Mur- Murakami, the Japanese author. Have you ever read any of his stories? No, I haven't. I have one of his books that I mean to read, but I have not read. Yeah, them. and I've read probably four or five at this point. I, I enjoy his writing. I, he's I wouldn't say a favorite, but I I do like them. But the fantastical things in those are so much less explained and remarked upon. Where in a lot of fantasy, it's like the world kind of has to. Be explained or like that's kind of a landmark of the genre is like 
I'm going to try and walk you through this culture, this like place I made up or what these interactions, whatever. And if you look at like an author like Murakami, there are things that occur that are bizarre and dreamlike, but it's not, it will never be explained. It's not like a person comes out and says like, Oh, they are the so-and-so people from the forest kingdom. And they have like, it's not, right. it doesn't have that encyclopedia feel. It's much more interpretive and like odd. Well, um, magical realism too is, is set in a, a world that we understand and it's just yes, so for example right. with Sinbad it's like he's his home base is Baghdad right and mm-hmm. on his yeah, voyages yeah. he's like going to to India it's just that he's encountering all these islands along the way to India to trade and that's right. how so we have it set in a world that we understand and then the the oddities happen which makes it seem not it's fantastical but not like something that has to be explained away like in a sci-fi book or in a fantasy book yeah, where they're actually completely. creating whole new worlds. Definitely. Yeah. Crucial distinction you just gave. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And that's when I think back on, cause I think of all the authors put under that genre, Murakami is the one I know the most mm-hmm. and that's, it describes every one of his stories. Yeah. It's you, you're, you're lulled in, then something strange happens and you mm-hmm. kind of ride with the narrative from there and see where it goes. There's alternate worlds or, you know, talking cats or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, the good stuff. (laughs) I don't know if I want to be around talking cats. I don't know. Cats seem like they don't want to talk much anyway. I don't know if we need to make them talk. They Um, would be a lot of fun because they would be so sarcastic and critical. Like I think that they would be fun. (laughs) Yeah. That's the kind of friendliness we already expect from our cats. I think that's the standard we already hold them to. So yeah, you're you're probably right on that front. That's for sure. Let's uh, let's jump to our official reviews then, which still come in two parts. We do the Russell Friendship Memoriam. What's good about it? Segment first. Uh, I don't mind starting this one off because yeah. I, I think I've already said this. I think just the the creative um, and and kind of like creative oddities here. I think we're fun. I think those are good. It, it's inventive. I think in terms of the monsters and creatures, maybe we've already said too much, though. I, I don't think we have. Um, and I don't think it's meant to be frightening. It's not like horror or anything. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's meant to, you know, uh, make your skin crawl or something. But I think that it mostly works every time there is some kind of danger presented. It is, I think, especially in the marriage story, right? It's at least a little surprising. Right. Maybe maybe not so much the King Kong appearance or whatever. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think overall that did work for me. How about for you? Uh, what I liked about it was that it's um, it is a really fast read and a simple read. Yeah. Uh, sometimes there's some language where he uses like thy and thou, uh, which uh, can be kind of annoying sometimes. But right, right. It's it is a very fast read, and he does keep the plot going. And you know, you're you move from one idea to the next very quickly, so you're never like bogged down by. Uh, overly stylistic choices or anything like that. Yeah, that's fair. And now that you, by the way, I have to jump on this before I forget it. Now that you just said that, I know for sure now that I have a much more modern translation because I saw none of that language. You definitely just have an oh, older translation yeah. then. Yeah, okay. So that, <laughs> that is the, that. Uh, the Victorian then. Yep, yep. That is an older text shining through an older translation. I'm Now that, yeah, that makes it quite clear. I don't know who the person is who translated my copy, but... There, nothing like that shows up at all. Oh, so, so lucky. It, felt, it was all the dialogue. Yeah. It, anytime that right. Sinbad was speaking to somebody, it okay. was that language. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, that's a drag. That's a drag. That It's difficult to, especially without the psychological character stuff we want to dig into. That, exactly. that can be, yeah, that can be exhausting. Um, why don't you start us with official ratings then? We like to give a kind of simple three-point scale, one being avoid this, don't read it, a three being definitely read it, and then two is 
a qualified recommendation, a maybe. So what do you think, Amanda? Um, I gave it a two because um, okay. it is a fast read. It, it, it is entertaining, right? It's specifically meant to entertain. Like the whole point of it was Shahrazad was like telling these stories in order to stay alive by entertaining her husband. Okay. who was like, yeah. you know, notorious for killing his previous wives and stuff. So it is meant to right. be entertaining. And I think that it accomplishes that. But if you really are into style, then you will not enjoy this read as much. Um, yeah, and it's true. it does move quickly. It's a very fast read. And yeah, it was, I mean, it was fine. It was, it was okay. <laughs> I think, yeah, and I wrote down as you, I usually do, I leave myself open for this. Um, I like the pod to guide me. I think a two is fine. And I, th- this review to me, I feel like every time I do reviews, I'm coming at the score from a different angle. Mm-hmm. This is the angle of compared to other myth stuff we've read, I did enjoy this more. I think it just because it was brisk. And yeah. again, it, it, it delights you with. I mean, the plot is so rep- the plots are so repetitive, and that and the style is definitely I, f- I found a little irksome. But it presents you with the unique storytelling bits and the kind of creative parts enough and quick enough to make it. You know, it's an entertaining read. I think we in this day are, are spoiled with novels and even like short story collections that have plots that will move far faster with topics that will connect more deeply and yada yada. So I don't, in the grand scheme of reading, do I think this is a two? Like maybe not, but in terms of the things we've read uh, in the, what I would call like myth or fairy tale category, mm-hmm. I think this is a two. Yeah. And yeah. I feel solid saying that I, I thought back to like Goonlog, Serpent Tongue. That was like such a difficult read. Even um, the, the Greek myth stuff we did, the Jason and Medea, mm-hmm. I didn't, didn't really latch on to any of it. It was maybe too too much dialogue in that one or too yeah. slow. Yeah, so I, I think I agree with you on this one. It's also like not moralistic, so it's you're not being preached right, at while right. you're you're reading it. And it's also like taken into account with the rest of the the little black classics. It's it's a lot um it's a lot faster paced and it's kind of like a nice break yeah. from analyzing uh, the style and, and the literature and, and having to find what the author's actual meaning is. It's like very clear that it's just meant right, for entertainment. Right. So it's like a nice break from completely from the, the text otherwise. And the, the kind of homogeneous nature of that, I think could even be, yeah, it could be a merit to it in yeah. that it's like, you're not gonna, you don't have to reset every time and you don't have to expect any heavy handed type of thinking at the end about what, well, what's the lesson here, kids, right. or, you know, that's type of, yeah, like you said, like moralizing. Um, mm-hmm. I remember we did, or I, I think I reviewed it solo, but it was one, it had something about a butcher's dog, like a terrible story came to light or it had a very long title. But that one was oh, yeah. really blatant, like really hammer hammer to the skull, obvious with the themes to the point of the, them saying them in some of them mm-hmm. and just stating it. And I that I found so much more bothersome than this. Though this, you know, had its simplicity about it. I think, yeah, I think I'm happy with where we came down on it. I think we did it a good service to in the style. Any final thoughts on uh, Sindbad the Sailor before we head on out? Uh, no. I think I'm good. That's as good and fitting an abrupt ending <laughs> as any. <laughs> that's, how Sin- that's how Sindbad would, would have wanted it, too. Yeah. And, then, and then I got out of there. That's pretty much how he concludes every tale. Yeah, you know, that then I, I survived. Got, whatever. What do you want me to say? Than, than ever. So yeah. I got, got back home to Baghdad. Things are fine. Whatever, man. Leave me be. <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying my the fruits of my labor now. Yep. 
<laughs> we'll be back with another review next week, though I have not peeked ahead. Have you? Did you look at... Uh, I guess you can't really. I have the books. That's that's on me. I'm the one who should know. <laughs> I don't know why I'm asking you. That's, well, at least that's how you know, Mandy, you're fully part of the team now. It's like, I'm like, I don't, what, what are we doing? <laughs> Help. Yeah. Tell me. So I'm not sure. We're, we'll be reviewing something, uh, which I'm about to close or open my book and find out. Uh, but until that time, we'll see you between the classics. 